Welcome to the Living Alive Podcast. I'm Autumn Shields, a Master Connect coach, speaker, author, and serial entrepreneur, and most importantly, your hostess here to help you live your life alive. See, I believe we all have the ability to feel and be guided by life's nudges to live on purpose. So I'm inviting you to take this journey with me. Whether you were here just wanting to dip your toe in the water and see what this is all about, or maybe you were ready to dive deep, thank you for joining us on today's episode. On this show, you'll hear powerful life-changing stories from thought leaders of all walks of life that are stirring things up. We will guide you on living your life fully alive, how to identify the nudges, and why living a healthy lifestyle actually makes a difference. So get ready to be inspired, challenged, and connected because it's your time to make a splash. How are you navigating through life? Many of us are finding ourselves in very uncharted waters, facing difficult times. I believe that we can learn different ways to navigate life and deal with the unexpected by seeing how different cultures do it. Hawaii is named the happiest state in America. Why is that? Well, our next guest shares more about the Hawaiian culture and how he thinks it positively can impact stress levels. His parents worked for the U.S. Embassy, which allowed him to grow up in many places around the world. So he was exposed to numerous cultures. He's been involved with the Hawaiian cultural practice since a very young age and continues to share it around the world today. Tune in to better understand how the Hawaiian culture and how it can help you learn to live your life more alive. I'd like to welcome to the show, Kale. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Kale, Kale Kahi. Uh, I live here on uh, Haleakala, uh, largest mountain on Maui. And a lot of my work that I do for people is uh, spiritual activism and uh, cultural practice, like rooted deep culture that is uh, place-based. Um, so you have a deeper understanding of, of your relationships when you are being alive. <laughs> awesome. I'm so excited to have you on. And for those of you that do not have a deeper understanding of the wine culture, I am so excited for you to be able to hear what we call a wine practitioner. He has a nice, long, fancy title for what he does for us that cannot remember all that. Um, we refer to like a, a cultural practitioner, but um, we met a few years ago on Maui when I was forming tour company that we kind of, and it wasn't a tour company, it was an actual cultural company that we wanted to have people to have more access to the culture. So um, for me, when Maui is a very special, very sacred place. And so I love getting to spend time with you today. And um, for me, when I went to Maui as a very young child, I immediately knew something was different, not just about this amazingly beautiful place, but I could feel the mana, like I could feel the power of, that the islands had. And I was so drawn back to that island all the time, so much that I moved there for five years. And um, I got to meet you a few years ago, and it's been such a blessing to get to know you and learn from you. And I am so excited for our listeners today to get to learn more about how the Hawaiian culture has changed my life in so many different ways. And I live such a more enriched, beautiful life because of the specific culture in Hawaii that I've learned from. And I, I have so much more to learn. So I'm just so thankful for this time with you so I can learn and our listeners can learn. So as you and I have had great conversations about why people live different on the islands um, and Hawaii is consistently ranked the least stressed state in all of America. So 
so many people are like, what are they doing over there? And so can you just kind of dive in to why you believe people that live on the islands and obviously people from all different walks of life, but number one, maybe why people just live near or a stress, less stressed life, but how is the Hawaiian culture specifically played into that for others and for you specifically? Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I, I believe there's many reasons for that. Um, it's an interesting way I think to like see it too. It's like the less, the least stressed state, you know, and, and like some kind of gauging of, of like, I guess more relaxed or happy in comparison to other places. Right. So it's like, um, it's a very different dynamic when I, when I think about it for myself, because what I'm seeing on, on one level, this is just like a physical level is when you're living on the islands, you'll have access to natural environments much more readily than say like an urban environment where there's so much sprawl, where you have to go hours just to get to a place. Even when you get there, how many people are going to be there and the parking situation, all this kinds of stuff where here in Hawaii, people that do come here or live here have an engagement with the natural world. And that's, that's one of the key things I think like on that physical level is that when you hear the sounds of the ocean, you hear the sounds of the birds, you can see the trees, you can touch them. You can hear, you know, the, the gurgling, the bubbling of the streams coming down the fresh water that everybody, this is how we, you know, are able to drink water is because we have the ocean that is giving herself up in the form of moisture to clouds. The clouds then go onto the mountain that then gather up and drop all that life into the land that becomes streams and rivers. And that's where we get our water from here in Hawaii. So there's a lot of these physical parts that are playing, you know, for people that do love nature or have at least some respect for nature, they have those things accessible to them on any island that they live on. Even at Honolulu, where the population is like 1.2 million people in that city, they can still go an hour's drive up to the North shore and go surfing up there if they want to, or go into the valleys of Waimanalo or wherever it may be. So on that level, I believe that's where the understanding of less stress, because when you're living that way, there's a lot of like-minded people that you will find. And that's another engagement of relationship that we need. One is the natural environment. And the second is other human beings who can relate to us and are in alignment with our own values of what it means to be alive, right? Now, the other level that I can speak to is, let's say, a spiritual aspect, you know, a spiritual aspect. And one of the things that many indigenous cultures, not just Hawaiian in itself, um, but many place-based cultures, many people that are rooted in, in their homes, um, they teach that every person has an individual connection to spirit. And it is that individual connection that when you contribute it to the collective consciousness, then there is a, I guess like an emergence, you know, an emergence of a, of a different kind of being or essence. I don't know how you would call it in English, but it's like a um, understanding of when you have all these different people that can connect to each other through that connection of spirit, then this whole being comes about that's culture. So when we talk about Hawaiian culture and, the effects of that culture on people. It's, it's because when you have a group of people living in a place for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and they're paying attention, they're going to see what this land is trying to say. 
they're going to see and hear and learn and experience what the ocean is speaking, what the plants are speaking, what the rocks are saying. And so then they become the living expression in human form of all of those elements, of all of that raw primal energy. That's where the Hawaiian culture comes from. And a lot of people think it's just, oh, this is what human beings created. No, that's not exactly it. This is what happens when you have human beings living in direct relationship, reciprocal relationship with their homes, that they belong there. That place claims them as much as they claim the place. And that reciprocity is the give and receive, the take and leave. And it's happening all the time. And so when we look at Hawaiian culture as it is today, you know, the acts of tourism, of colonization, of all those types of things, there is a spiritual force of mana that continues to exist through the culture because of the landscape. You are who your ancestors were, and you are the land that you come from. And the more you pay attention to what is going on around you, the more your life will reveal itself to you. That's, that's what I believe happens. Yes. So can you kind of break those three areas down for us as far as the nature, the connection with people, and the spiritual aspect of it, can you really break down like, you know, as we know, nature is right there, it's accessible, it's up, but what is it about nature? Like, why are, why are people so drawn to different things and it helps people? What, what is the, what do you, what is your belief? Well, I think a lot of the things that have been taught to me from my elders and my teachers is like, you wouldn't exist without them being here. We are because they are. And so if we look at the beginnings of time, Every origin story that you hear of from another people, they're all true because they're all interpretations of where those people are coming from and how they got there and why they came to be and what their purpose is. So the origin story is so important. And when you look at modern society, Western society, whatever you want to call it, pay attention to the origin story that they tell and what's happening. Pay attention to the way that they view the purpose of humanity. Because if you look at certain stories that say the human being comes first and everything that is existing is because we deserve it and we're entitled to it, look how people behave. But when you have an origin story that says you came fifth down the line and the four other things that showed up were like the elements, you know, the sun, the rain, the ocean, you know, all the water, all these things. And then the rocks came and then the plants you see, like all of that. And then when they say you showed up after everybody else, you're in service to all of that. You have to take care of them. There's no entitlement. There's no like deserving. It's, it's you have to earn it and be in service to it. So when we break it down in the sense of like nature, you know, in Hawaiian language, we don't have a word for nature. There isn't a word. We say things. Yeah, we say things like, you know, kaya um, ulu, which means community, but it can also mean like things that grow together. Um, like a forest, you know, kanahele, uh, you know, that means like the thing that moves. It's like a measuring thing. It's a forest. It, it grows and it moves. It widens and expands. Um, it's, there's no word necessary for nature because we didn't separate ourselves, you see? So when I'm, when I'm, approach with the question like these different levels of nature, human being, and spirit, indigenous cultures don't differentiate them. They don't separate it. 
They don't make a fractured existence. All those things exist together. The, the physical and the spiritual are intertwined together. So what that means is it's an understanding of worldview. And that's why it's such a contrast. That's why Hawaiian culture is the way that it is today. So you exist because nature is here first, right? And then you have a relational way to engage with, that na with nature because they need you to. And then there's other people that are around you because you have to survive in order to continue the purpose of being in service to nature. And then what happens is you are fed back. And then you have to give praise and grief for being fed in the way that you do because being alive, the true cost is something has to die. Something has to give their life up so you may live, whether that's water you drink or food that you eat. The plant, right? It all begins with the plant. Whether you're eating the plant or you eat somebody who ate the plant, you're still coming from the plant. And so then that's the spiritual aspect if we were to say it that way. So now what do you do? Oh, you create rituals. You create ceremonies. You create a philosophy. It's not just conceptual. It's the way it is. Like it's, it's actually being in praise of that give and receive, that take and leave, that reciprocity. So you create ceremonies in recognition of that to heal the land, to heal the ocean, the waters uh, in a way that you can sacrifice your own self, sacrifice your comforts, your conveniences, all your desires so that the world may live. So that's the spiritual component, I guess you could say, of those kinds of three different levels. It's so amazing to just pause and think about these things because we are such consumers in every way and things just appear for us usually with one click now, but everything is just so accessible that we forget how many hands it took to get us that, whether it's a food or product where it came from and going all the way back to the land that something had, had to be made from the land. Most of everything is. And um, when I started actually thinking about this podcast and I had a person who I adore and she has a company called loving business forward. And she talks about like building a business around any profits right off the bat that you immediately make it part of a donation of what's important to you. And so I thought about that a lot. I was like, I want to right away be able to give back from the profits from anything that I do moving forward. And I kept thinking, what, what do I really want? I just kept praying about it. And I was like, the ocean has given me so much in my life. It's always there for me. It's there for me to look at. It's there for me to swim. I eat out of the ocean. And, and so I decided part of the profits from this was going to go to ocean cleanup because for, for so long, the ocean has given to me. And I was like, it's this time to pause, to be able to give back in such a small way, but to be able to give back. And we just forget, we just consume and we forget. So I'm so glad that, um, you know, we, I talked to her about loving business forward and, and immediately deciding to not just consume is, but to be able to give, not to just give value, but to make a difference all the way back to the earth, because I believe it's so important. But as we're just consuming, we just don't think about that to not only to give thanks, but to actually build ceremony around that or to replant or to give is just such an amazing thing. And it's such a huge part of the culture there. Yeah. You know, and just to uh, approach that as well, you know, I do have to say, um, you know, when we when I speak about ancestors or I speak about like traditional, which more more indigenous cultures, it's not a romanticized view that I'm trying to portray because they're humans too. And humans, you know, sometimes when they're not paying attention, they make a mistake. But a mistake is an opportunity to learn. 
So when I come from this, this understanding of this kind of depth, it's, it's an explanation of how things once were, still are with some people and can be for others. That's where I'm coming from. I'm not, I, I just hope that when you, people are listening there, cause I, I know, you know, I, I've been through the Western school system. I've gone to college, I got my degree. I know what they're teaching in there. I'm helping kids today in the public school system. I see what they're teaching them and I understand. And so it takes a lot of difficulty to unlearn certain things and relearn other ones to kind of let go of certain things and take on other ones. So when I'm talking, I just hope your listeners understand that whatever kinds of feelings or things that arise in them, whether they label them positive or negative, good or bad, it's not the purpose. The purpose is a wondering aloud and a troubling aloud so they can move through life in a different way. Because if they're called to do something differently, like their feeling or their emotion, that's important. Emotions are energy in motion. So we have to have these kinds of conversations to open ourselves up to another understanding to help balance out the kind of education and conditioning that we've been given from other systems or people. You see what I mean? Yes. Just to so, stop and think about it. Just to stop yes, and open to it. Yes. Just be open to it. Cause I, I can tell you, I've had so many conversations with people just face to face and they tell me like, Oh no, what we're doing in society is advancement. It's called progress. We've all wanted to get here and everybody who hasn't made it to where we're at are failed attempts at being us. And I'm like, wait a minute, how do you know that? You see? So this is why I practice culture and specific kinds of culture that are indigenous and rooted and uh, reciprocity with their place and create an abundance of wealth of knowledge and wisdom. You know what I mean? It's because it helps me do this balancing act with this modern society where I can see, just like what you're saying, Autumn, about the ocean and the consumerism and the individualism and all these types of things that are happening. And like, you're the kind of person that recognizes it. So you want to do good work in the system that you're a part of to help feed back what you have been given. But I think so much of that is taught or I've learned that so much by being in Hawaii and really thinking about native wisdom, because we always think we have to have these big ideas and big thoughts and moving forward, just like you said. And as I worked with different practitioners or I'd be at an event and somebody would say one sentence, one sentence that was from an ancestor or from something that is an actual concept or thought. And it would just like shock me like, boom, there it is. It's so wise and so simple, but it's so meaningful. Yeah. So yes, much power. There is. And that's, that's where a lot of my teachers say too, you know, specifically one, uh, he says, keep it simple. Always keep it simple because the things that you are searching for are already there before you. It's not necessarily you have all the answers within you. That's part of it. But the other part is understanding the grander, bigger story that you're a part of that's continuously unfolding before you. And if you're paying attention, you'll see the signs, just like you were saying about you, you'll just hear a certain line, a certain word, a certain phrase from something ancient, but it's appearing in the present day. That happens to us all the time, but not everybody has been equipped with the tools or the senses to pick up on it. And so that's why I do the work I do, trying to help people connect to that thing so they can understand it better. It's a new old way 
of being an indigenous person. Yeah. I love that. The new old way. I love that. Mm -hmm. And so why do you believe that connection has to do with living truly alive? That's a great question because it's a big question, but the thing that I uh, come to understand, and this is recent, it's just this past year. So the word mana that we have in Hawaiian is uh, close to the word prana, which you hear in like uh, uh, Hindi languages, you know, and the similar understanding that there is a life force that exists in all things and it can be accumulated and let go, right? Now, when I say accumulated, it's interesting because different schools of thought think it's something that you just do within, right? But the way that I've come to understand manna and life force is not something specifically to you as an individual being. It's something that happens because you have connection. That's where the manna is. The mana is in the relationship, in the connection that you create with something. And here's, here's a good example. If you're growing up with a hammer in your hand your whole life, and the only thing you've learned how to do with that hammer is to break things with it, smash windows, you know, demolish things with this hammer, and then you come to realize one day, like, all I'm doing is breaking things with this hammer, and it's very destructive. I want to change. So you let go of the hammer, okay? And now someone gives you a spoon, whoever it may be, a wooden spoon. You take that spoon and then you just start whacking people with it. And you're whacking things with it. (laughs) You're still hurting people with this spoon because what happened is your connection, right? So what we need to do is get that hammer back in your hand, create a different relationship with that hammer so that you learn how to build shelter for someone. You know how to build a desk or a table so you people can sit there. And then when you let go of that hammer, we put the wooden spoon back into your hand. Now you know how to stir the pot for food. You learn how to feed someone with that spoon. That's the connection. That's the mana. That's such a great example. Yes, it has to be worked out through you and what it is that you are doing, your actions and your behaviors. And the only way you will come to understand that is when you deepen within yourself this kind of aliveness, willing to pay attention and to, I guess the word is to sacrifice all of the wants and desires that you have for yourself and be of service to all the things that have helped you and nourished you and nurtured you all along because you have been on the receiving end for quite some time. And so you just believe by being in service, it's actually better for us. Like, how is it better for us when we think about giving it versus consuming it to actually stop and to be in service? How does that truly help us live alive? Yeah, it's it's such an interesting thing. Um, A lot of uh, my teachers share with me stories, simple phrases like the best leader, the best chief, right? this comes from a lot of different understanding is the one who's the best servant. Right. And one of the exact, one of the stories that I like to share with people of this understanding is when you become someone that has been able to make these connections in a way, and you see things that others can't necessarily, and then they want to put you up on a pedestal because they want to call you a holy man or a kahuna or whatever those labels are, shaman, 
you know, all these kinds of things. They said, don't pay attention to the label. That's just people trying to understand who you are by differentiating themselves from you because they haven't been able to do the work yet. So they're putting you in a different place. So they would say, you need to be like a rock, a pohaku. You need to be like a rock because that rock is the foundation. So the more you learn, the more you see, the more you understand, you have to humble yourself down like a rock and be in place so the people that need you can walk on top of you to cross the rivers of their troubles and their hardships to get to the other side. That's why it feels so good. Because you're humbling yourself in reverence, right? The active form of respect. You have humility, the active form of humbleness. And because you've acquired knowledge, it doesn't make you better. It means you become more purposeful for others. And then you're in service to the world. That's what's important. So that's why I think people feel so much, um, I guess, good or positive or helpful or supportive when they are in service to something. For example, you know, one more is like, you can have somebody living their whole life chasing money, right? Chasing building a bigger business, wanting power and control and all of these things. And they could be chasing it so much and they've never had a deep connection with their family or themselves. They just never paid attention to it. And then you have some of those, you know, uh, very few stories where they sell everything because they realize they were not happy and they get rid of all of that material thing. And they step into the immaterial, into the realms of spirit and they bring their family along with them. And then they have a deeper connection with each other and the place that they live in. And then they're truly happy. They're truly happy. So that can happen. But that was the choice of a person who was not paying attention to finally pay attention and then make a connection, right? Make a connection in service to what was most important in their life, which was their family, their community, their friends, things like that. Yeah, it's making those connections that I think just takes time and reflection. And sometimes it's hard to make those connections because sometimes it takes time, I think. And or it takes it takes that person to slow down to be reflective. And once we start connecting those things or just asking ourselves questions like, Am I really happy? Is this is this what I want? But I love that story about the rock being, you know, helping somebody cross because I think we live in a society where it's always trying to go up. It's it's to get the better title, it's to get that better promotion. And and we do like, you know, when we know things to rather people put us up on that pedestal or we put ourselves up there. I love that analogy because number one, you can fall when you're on top like that, right? Like you have a specific title that could be taken away and then who are you? Mm -hmm. But when you're that person that's a rock and grounding and you can always be there for people to walk over. I just love that. Yeah. And let's, uh, this is a quick one, but let's just bring it a little closer to home for people that are listening. Uh, You know, it's a little personal story of mine. You know, the way that I grew up in the school system, you know, I was already a, a gifted athlete. And so that's how I moved through life with that identity because it was reinforced. I got a lot of that uh, need to feel appreciated or to feel needed, you know, in those ways. But it was all in alignment with sport and achievement, and achievement, achieve high marks, you know, good grades. 
win the championship, you know, be faster, bigger, stronger than the other person. Right. And so I carried that with me through college. And then when college is over and I'm no longer an athlete, my identity was so frail, you know, was so fickle. I had a hard time because I didn't know who I was. No one ever taught me to know who Kale is. They taught me who Kale the athlete is, who Kale the student is, who Kale the achiever is. And when the achievement stops, you're no longer playing the sports and there's nothing else for you to study. I mean, there is more, but there's nothing that calls for you to study. Then you become an empty person. And empty by what I'm saying is you lose your way because you don't have the necessary depth of your own connection to self to help you navigate in the world. So you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. You know, you're in the middle of nowhere and no one is there to help guide you through it. And then there's something that has to happen for you, especially for me, which is what happened to me, was I found my culture and I found my place. And when I say my, I don't, I'm not just claiming it for myself. This is something everyone can do in their own life, is find a rooted culture to help you deepen your understanding of yourself and your relationships. So now you understand that the middle of nowhere is the center of somewhere. Love that. It takes work. And I think so many people can relate to that, to losing their identity for whatever reason it is. Maybe it, it's the title of mom or dad or husband or wife or athlete or mm-hmm. um, a specific title. And then who are you without that? And so to find your way back. And I feel like when people say culture, sometimes I think like ethnicity or nationality. And I feel like if we don't know that or people aren't attached to it in any way, or there's numerous ones in their family. What is the difference between culture? Like for people to really seek that out. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a really great question. There's there's a lot there. So I'm going to kind of circumlocute the thing. <laughs> so there is many different ways of understanding culture and there's many different ways of participating with culture, yes. So we have to be very keenly observant to what that culture is deciding upon which one we've grown up in or which one that we want to be a part of, however it may be. Because if you look at modern societal culture, what is the orientation and the value? Constant growth for growth's sake. Yeah, just growing to grow. There's no end in sight. Continue doing what we're doing and get to a better future, you see, to get to Mars, to the the investments are towards something of the future that doesn't exist yet. And so we keep moving that way. So it is a culture. It is a culture. But is it a life-affirming culture? Is it a culture that wants to submit or be conquered? To stop while they're ahead or actually be dominated and forced to stop rather than just doing it on their own? So when you look at other cultures, you can't compare them in the same way. When you look at, let's say, a Native American culture like the Suyan people, Lakota Dakota, they have ceremonies every summer called Sundance. That's where Sundance Festival took its name. They took it from an indigenous people. They culturally appropriated that name. But it's a very powerful ceremony because what happens is you have people together for 12 days and they're setting up the ceremony space. And then for four days, those dancers do not eat food or drink water and they're dancing from sunup to sundown. And depending on where you're at, 
that could be 16 to 18 hour days that you are dancing. So by the fourth day, you are done. You are just done. But in, for a modern societal understanding, because of the culture that we come from, here we go, because the culture we come from would interpret that as being insane or psychotic or something definitely strange. Because why would you ever suffer like that? Why would you ever put yourself through pain like that? So that's the interpretation coming from our modern society is comfort, convenience, desires, fulfilling every single want, not just need, fulfilling every single want and consume and take and leave nothing behind. But the example that I just gave is a culture that's not insane. They're not crazy. They're not doing something just to harm themselves. They're doing something to say, this is what we're willing to do for our community, for our family, for our friends, to let them know that we do take so much, but we will suffer for the world so the world may get a time to breathe, take a break, and be without us for a while. So it can live, so that she can live, you know, our earth. So that's why I say with culture, we have to be very careful because culture isn't culture isn't culture. Just like water isn't water isn't water. You're not gonna drink water from the puddle of a parking lot, right? No, you want fresh, healthy water, wild water if you can, or at least filtered water, you know, from, from your tap or something like that. So the same thing with culture. There's some culture we could say is more damaging and life-denying than other cultures, which would rather take upon that suffering to life affirm every other thing that's alive. So now cultural appropriation. This is one of the bigger things. So you have people who are living in society and there's so many things that we are burdened by and it's difficult to make attachments in other ways because you have to make a living, right? And you have to pay your bills and there's a lot of people depending on you. So you have a lot of responsibilities and it gets super stressful. And then you find something that you really are called to be a part of and it looks like an indigenous culture, let's say. So you want to know and you want to be a part of Yet the difficulty with it is you don't know how because you still have the hammer in your hand and you're still breaking things in a way. So what ends up happening is a lot of people without addressing those things that are happening within them and where they're coming from and why things are the way they are, they want to take something without earning it. They want to take something without putting in the time, without getting the experience first, without having a teacher you know, someone that is a flesh and blood standing before you, their voice is able to like saturate your being. People don't have time for that. You got to go on YouTube and that's what we're going to learn. Or I like how that headdress looks. So I'm going to wear it because it makes me feel like something that looks like what I desire. So what I'm saying is when we're making these shifts and these learnings and we talk about Hawaiian culture and these different worldviews in this depth of being it has to be earned still it has to be experienced and it has to be respected and it's transferable across the board i mean i'm a carrier of three different lineages but when i do participate with it i don't just take all the things that i think are cool or desirable to me i take their pain too and their suffering and their hurt and when i do that i can create beauty with them and they and I become more recognizable to them as one of their own rather than someone that's trying to take or consume. 
And where do you believe you would be without your teachers? Because I know you've spent so much time being a student in so many different ways of learning. And just like you said, it takes time and it, it takes a lot of commitment to learn anything new, especially at the level that you have and um, the cultures that you have. So where do you believe that you would be without those teachers? Oh, I'd probably still be that boy that is trying to understand himself, but doesn't know how because the relationships that I had with my peers were just reinforcing it. We're, you know, all lost. So when I think about my teachers, I am so grateful for them because, because they spent the time and the energy in such a way that they could learn something from those that they were lucky enough to be around. And they kept on moving through life in this beautiful way with all their own hardships and stresses, their downfalls and mistakes that they've learned from. And then they show up in my life, never necessarily thinking of me specifically or asking of me specifically or wishing someone like me would show up in their lives. They were living beautiful lives before me. They're living beautiful lives now and they will after me living beautiful lives, but yet they showed up as these teachers that have said, I've been through things that you have been through and I don't know answers. I don't have any solutions for what you're going through, but I can tell you, this is what I've done. And this is how I am with you now. And to me, that is one of the most beautiful forms of artistry that you could ever experience to have someone deepen their own understanding of themselves and where they're at. That in their old age, they can talk to you like that. And they can say these beautiful things. And it's incredible to me because it's the continuation of a passing down into the generations of this great mystery that we don't tend to appreciate and we don't tend to want to be with because it means the mystery is something that we don't know. And we're so consumed with wanting to know everything and information and data, and it's not helping us. We need to have a relationship with that mystery so it can speak through us and our ancestors can reveal themselves to us. Just like our teachers, when you find them and they're special, not everyone is that kind of way. Not everyone is necessarily an elder. There's a lot of people out there that are doing it for themselves. But when you're lucky enough to find someone in the way that they're willing to be older and submit to life, bow their head and bend their knee in awe of all the beautiful things and awe of all the hurtful, sorrowful things, that's a real teacher. Yes. And I hope that this encourages our listeners to be open for teachers to show up and in whatever form that would be, it, rather it's a mentor or a coach or a teacher, because I feel like in our society, I'm fine. Like I'm fine. I don't need anybody. Like I'm fine just the way I am, or I'll do it on my own and not understanding what we can learn from somebody that, like you said, maybe they haven't been through the exact same thing, but they have wisdom that we can lean on. It's not a sign of weakness for us to lean on people and to learn from it, it just strengthens us and it strengthens them. So I hope that this just encourages people to be open to the next teacher in, in your own life. Yes, totally. And, and another way to think of it too is as much as you need them, they need you. Because in my way, 
of understanding those relationships with my teachers is somebody had done something like that for them and they were able to give that person an honoring by learning from them saying that your knowledge and what you've gathered is worthy because me and this time and I mean me at my age I want I'm ready to receive it full, knowing full well that when I'm their age that I'll do the same see and it's a it's that kind of depth that a lot of people tend to forget because we want to do it on our own we think we can do it on our own because that's what we're taught in the individualistic society but that couldn't be further from the truth i mean if we think about all the things that we pursue as an individual how much fulfillment do we get from it our whole conversation has been addressing this so i think about those things like one of my teachers you know kind of helped me understand this he said be that which was needed of you when you were younger so you can learn to be what is needed of you now and those things that are patiently waiting for you on the outskirts of your age will reveal themselves to you when you are ready love that it puts it in perspective i think this is a great place i would love for you to close this with a prayer and especially just in honor of teachers and people that have gone before us and people that have poured into our lives to make us all who we are today and moving forward and then i'll have you also tell people where they can connect with you and follow you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so um, these prayers, you know, we learn in Hawaii and uh, they're, they're ways of engaging with the natural world of speaking poetry, you know, in a fluid way that is actually um, deeper and uh, more broad breadth, more breadth than our straight speech that we tend to have in English. And this one um, says, May we love all that we see with humility, which is what our teachers tried to help us with. And may we live all that we feel with uh, reverence, which is something that we can always do for ourselves. And may we know all that we understand with this kind heart of self-discipline. And why self-discipline? Well, it's because we're human beings and we're so quick to forget. Sometimes we have to remember to remember, but we can't always do that on our own. We need living reminders, whether they be your child or your partner or your teacher or your grandparents, whoever it may be, they are asking you to remember to remember. So that's why the prayer is this way. <clears throat> it goes like this. E aloha e ikaike makameka e aloha e E ola e ika ike na omeka ho ano e e aloha e e ike e ika ike lo aita kuvai e a o ika ika e aloha e e aloha e e aloha e e aloha e so beautiful thank you so much yeah. and um yeah and so uh when we see this word of aloha it's not just a simple hello or goodbye to each other aloha means to be in the presence of to be in the present moment face to face with something human more than human other than human and ha is what is given to you when you are born ha is the breath of life it is also the exhale all things have this ha all things are breathing and you get this breath from a living world it's breathing without 
her oxygen, as we like to call it, without her air, her breath, you wouldn't be. And so that's why we say Aloha, because it means love. You say it again, Aloha, it means compassion. You say it again, Aloha, it means empathy. And so a little bit of an, uh, an understanding for people who, who uh, probably can feel it for themselves too, but uh, it's where it's coming from. And so for me, I um, I have different social media platforms. I have my personal one, which is Kale, K-A-L-E, Fit, F-I-T, Maui, M-A-U-I. Uh, that's my Instagram handle, uh, my personal one. And then I also have one called Wailua, W-A-I-L-U-A, Cultural Visions. Um, this is a, a business that I started with um, uh, my really good friend, and we're both different lineage holders, and we decided to come together to help people better connect where that mana comes from to the natural world, which then happens to be connecting more deeply to themselves because we are the microcosm of the macrocosm. And we try to help people understand what it means to be a cultured person in these ways of rooted place-based indigenousity, speaking to that indigenous soul that we all have, because we all come from people who came from people that for a long time were doing these things in a tribal way. And so that's what Wailua Cultural Visions is for. And then there's um, also Makoa Quest, which is something that you helped Autumn. And uh, I do that as well with uh, uh, with another partner and and we, teach children, we teach people about positive impact kind of tourism and also consciousness of our traveling, conscious traveling and uh, helping people to be here on Maui for the time that they are. And then we go into the, to the different schools to help teach the children these, these deeper understandings as well. And I also co-host a podcast myself <laughs> with a man named John Stokes who does the tracking project and you can find it that at the trackingproject.org and john stokes is an elder who has learned from many different indigenous people and he's um he's like a bridge builder you know he's a weaver like a spider making a web he's connecting different indigenous communities together to help them uh protect their places and so that's what i i do as co-host for that podcast. That's awesome. I cannot wait to plug into that podcast and listen for myself. And I'm so thankful that you're working with Makoa Quest. And before, whenever I have the opportunity to talk about nudges, because that is the um, preface of this podcast is a big piece of it is about 11 years ago, while I was in Hawaii on an incentive trip for a company, I was I learned how to hold still and listen for the first time in my life. And it was 430 in the morning, I was on the beach. And I felt the nudge and it was as clear as day. And I wrote down an entire, what I thought like was just going to be something. I don't really remember. It was just like a download, what I would consider like a download. It was definitely not of me. It was not of my thoughts. It was not my idea. It was just out of the blue, like out right straight down from the sky. And as it evolved and as it started growing, and I actually believed that like, this is absolutely crazy because I have no experience with anything cultural in Hawaii, except that I wanted more of it. Never had started a company to where, you know, trying to bridge people that wanted more and hungry for more culture over to people that had amazing native wisdom to share and experiences, you know, outside of luau's and outside of just tiki torches. And so as the people, just like you said, I think sometimes when you're ready and you're willing, and you're open, people show up. 
And it's yes. all those people and all those connections, just like you showed up just from Makoa Quest. And Makoa is my son's middle name. Um, mm. And that's why we named it Makoa Quest. And then Megan came yeah. along as a great partner. And now you've yeah. come along. And it's just so amazing that something that was a download um, d- d- that I had no business being doing at all. No business, <laughs> no knowledge, no business. Um, yeah. But that's the great thing about learning to follow the nudges is that yes. it's never about you. Following the nudges, if I made that about me, I'd still be thinking about doing it because I have no business doing it. I had no knowledge of, uh, of anything right. that I was asked being asked to do. But what's amazing is that my hands are completely off that now and it's existing because it's supposed to, it it has the Mm -hmm. right people doing the right work. um, And the work is just moving forward. And I'm so proud um, that I've been able to meet you and work with you. And that there's so many amazing things going on because of that little nudge. And um, I'm just so thankful that people are learning more about this amazing culture because there's so it's not just like Hawaii is a great place and, oh yes, it's, you know, it's beautiful and people are nice. There's so much wisdom that has helped me live my life fully alive. So I encourage you guys, however you can get in um, to learn more about the Hawaiian culture, definitely follow um, on, you know, social media. And um, I will put all of this in the show notes. So if you didn't understand everything, um, we'll make sure to get it in the show notes so you can connect um, to the beautiful Hawaiian culture. So aloha, mahalo so much for your time and always learn so much from you. Yeah. So not a big deal, but thank you so much for the gift. Thank you for joining us. And I hope you enjoyed today's show. And remember, good friends don't keep great messages to themselves. So keep the ripples moving and share this episode with your friends. Also, wherever you listen to podcasts, please take a moment to review or download this episode. Also, I would love to connect with you. Regardless of where you're at on your journey, maybe you're feeling like you can't set sail or maybe you're out there rocking the open seas. Find me at autumnshields.com or on social and say hello. Also, if you would like a complimentary coaching sesh, all you have to do is click on Let's Connect and let me know three things you would like to get out of the conversation and we will make it happen. So make today the day you decide to live your life alive and leave room for the unimaginable. So until next time, keep following the nudges.